Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. Dusty, we talk Penn State football year-round. But how about we take a break for one show? For one show, we take a break from football. What a huge weekend for other Penn State sports. Penn State basketball in the tournament. Penn State wrestling, what's new? Another national championship. How about we talk some hoops and some wrestling? I really don't think, if we're going to look in the wintertime to take one weekend to not talk about Penn State football and shift, I can't think of a better weekend over the last, you know, seven years or whatever we've been doing that than this. This is the perfect weekend to talk about what Penn State accomplished on the winter sports scene. And as you said, Penn State wrestling, which we'll touch on a little bit later. Jeff Byers is also going to join us to talk about what they did at the NCAA championships. Um, you know, we'll get into that. That's nothing new. You know, 10 out of 12 years winning a national title is ridiculous, but that's where they're at. Uh, but, you know, we haven't seen Penn State hoops obviously uh, make this kind of NCAA tournament run, Big Ten tournament run. I mean, this was a really good weekend. It didn't end perfectly, but I think a lot of people were just really satisfied that they could root for two Penn State teams in the national tournament at the same time, the same weekend. Yeah, that's incredible. But we'll start with basketball in quarter one and quarter two. We'll hit wrestling in quarter three. I'll pretend like I know what I'm talking about, and then we'll get Jeff in to actually know what he's talking about with the wrestling but let's start with hoops for the weekend let's let's start first with the first game last thursday there was no more penn state basketball game than that one dusty it was jalen pickett backing his way down someone was calling it booty ball that's as good as anything i've heard he backs his way in He'll, if you try to cover him one-on-one, he scores. If you double him, he finds an open man who hits a three-pointer. That was Penn State hoops in a nutshell. I'll tell you what. I mean, if if that formula works, then keep Penn State in that nutshell. Obviously, you know, t- hard to hard to do this um, against you know elite teams all the time. But I think you know what we saw in the Big Ten tournament, and we what we saw you know making it to the the second round. I think the what was it the first NCAA tournament win since two thousand one, I believe, twenty plus Something years like that. So yes. that should tell you how starving Penn State fans have been for this kind of success. And even though uh, it ends in the round of thirty two, um, I, I, it's it's nothing but a a huge success I think for the Penn State program. And you know that formula, the formula that Micah Shrewsbury has brought in you know, has, has worked at, at, at a high level. And I think will continue to work at a high level. Well, Pickett, first of all, is such a unique talent on the college basketball scene. A guy, he's a guard, plays like a power forward or center, gets his back to the basket, backs his way in. If you try to cover him with a small guy, he just out muscles them and shoots over them. If you try to cover him with a bigger guy, he out techniques them. He finds a way to slip past them. Texas A&M also, there was a quote, and I believe it was from one of the Penn State coaches, for such a highly ranked team that Texas A&M was, they never really adjusted to it. 
And one of the Penn State coaches, I believe that was where the quote came from, he said, you admire Texas A&M for sticking to what they do best. In other words, they never adjusted to what we were doing, yeah. and we crushed them. Yeah. You know, sticking to what they do best, even when it's not working for them, is a that's a, that's a bold strategy that, that didn't pay off for, for the Aggies. And I saw um, clips floating around about, you know, how they were entering the building for that game and whether they were, whether they were ready for it or whether they were taking Penn state seriously, maybe they weren't, I don't know, maybe they were, but I'll tell you what, I mean, when you have, you know, that, that team hitting 13 out of 22 from three point range, it's just hard to beat them when it's working to that extent. We got two different looks at at them when it comes to success from three point range, but if they're, if they're hitting 40 or 50% plus from three, I I just don't know if there was going to be a lot that A&M could do. No, probably not. And Penn State's offense, it worked to perfection what they were doing to create opportunities for the three-point shooters. And Andrew Funk, who probably has the quickest release I've seen in college basketball right now, and he's already in motion to shoot the ball before he catches it. It's, it's very good. He just needs a sliver of an opening, and he gets gets it off. You talked about the team three-point shooting. Funk himself was actually 8 for 10 yeah. in that game against A&M. 8 for 10 from three-point range. That's what we call offensive efficiency. And meanwhile, at the same time, uh, Pickett, he, he went for 19 points. He had eight assists, and he had zero turnovers, and he's a guy who dominates <clears throat> the ball. So that is an incredible line. You're going to be a lot of teams when you have that from from two players. Now, go ahead, Dusty. So, I mean, yeah, that that formula, you know, if you have an All-American who is a Swiss Army knife, you know, whatever you whatever you could ask Jalen Pickett to do, he seems capable of doing and delivering. So when you have that and you have him, you know, filling up the stat sheet like that, it really is indicative of what Penn State was doing was working. And then if you have if you surround him with with shooters like it, it, dominate the ball, you know, you see he, he, if you're making good decisions and you're uh, finding the open guy, dominate the ball and make it happen. And uh, Andrew Funk was that guy eight out of ten from from three there. Um I do feel like it's on brand here for Penn State to go out and find some more shooters uh, in in the future seasons. I know we'll talk about the future of the program going forward, but um, I think this is this suggests to me that um, you you bring in another couple shooters just like Andrew Funk, whether those are portal guys or whatever, and I think you can make the same machine work for you. And we definitely will get into that in more detail, but I think. Penn State showed everybody what they could do, and they, well, we'll get into it more because I do want to talk about the game in Texas. I just gave you Pickett's numbers for the Thursday night win. Unfortunately, we got to go to the Texas game, and he went from 19 points to 11, from eight assists to one, and from zero turnovers to seven. Now, I do think Pickett was off his game, but a lot of credit to Texas. They knew what they were doing. They hounded Pickett. They made everything difficult for him. That was the difference between A&M and Texas. 
And I think from what I understand, it's something that Texas did well all season long was was defend. And um, when, when you're able to it, it's easier said than done to take away a guy who's six foot four and 210, 215 pounds, who's physical and uh, knows what he's doing with the ball in his hands. Uh, if you're able to get him off his game, I mean, that's a full credit to you as as a team and, and making that a, a priority and making that happen in the game plan. And then everything was kind of off from there. You know, his his stat line was kind of the opposite of what, you know, as you mentioned against AM. Uh, Andrew Funk's stat line was kind of the opposite of what you'd saw uh, against AM as well, where he was eight out of 10, he was two out of 10 from three point range in this one. So it maybe had a domino effect of, of just the overall efficiency and how that offense was running against Texas. But, you know, my understanding is you, you, as much as anything, you just have to tip your cap to, to Texas of, of playing their brand of basketball and getting that job done. Clearly as an all American Jalen Pickett didn't meet this kind of resistance all the time uh, working through the big 10 schedule. And yes, you tip your hat to Texas, but I'm also going to tip my hat to this Penn state team. When you have Andrew Funk went from eight out of 10 to two out of 10 and the whole team did not shoot well from three point range. Um, against Texas either. Uh, Pickett did not have his best game, far, far from it. And yet they had a lead late in the game, late in the second half. Yeah. Which tells me as much as I was crediting Pickett and uh, Funk for the win on Thursday night, they both had, both really struggled Saturday against Texas, but this team has more talent. You had Miles Dredd come in and start popping threes. There is more talent than just those two guys. And to credit to Micah Shrewsbury that you had two of your best players play probably about as bad as they've played all season. And they had Texas down late in the second half. Now, Texas is a team some people might think could win this whole thing. So I know they lost. I know it. But I think if you're a Penn State fan, you have to be just excited and thrilled by what they gave us as fans this season and most especially in the Big Ten tournament and then in the national tournament. I mean, I think excited in a, in multiple different ways. And I'll try not to steal our thunder from the next quarter where we're thinking more big picture, but excited because the, the transfer shooter you brought in uh, from what Bucknell uh, made such an impact, helped you win an NCAA tournament game. The transfer you brought in uh, and Jalen Pickett did the same thing. The fact that, you know, the way that the offense runs, it, it has a lot of buzz going for it. But also, you know, I think just the mental fortitude as well. You know, you've seen uh, less balanced Penn State teams. You know, we've talked about this during the Pat Chambers era where they just didn't have another offensive threat. They were always an offensive threat short. And so this team is not really like that, but also I think they showed again and again and again that from a mental perspective, they are never stopping competing. And that, sh- that showed a bunch of times this year, certainly during this run. But I think that's something that as much as, you know, you want to talk about the wizardry of Micah Shrewsbury or the way that he recruits or the way that he builds an offense, the way they does X's and O's, the ability for him and his staff to get these guys to buy in and believe and play 40 hard minutes is another encouraging building block for the future. You can't define it. You can't quantify it, but clearly what they're doing this year. And, and as, as the team 
reloads and, and, and they get a different look and a personality next season. It's not a gimme or a given, but I feel pretty good that whatever's going on with this Penn State team, whatever their formula is for victory, that they're going to be able to stick to it and they're going to be able to, to believe and they're not going to back down from, from big time teams because they didn't this whole time. And I think that's something to take away going forward as well. And you hit it when you talked in terms of formula, and I have enough confidence in Shrewsbury. You're not going to have a similar talent to Pickett on your team next year, okay? Pickets don't come along often. That he'll have to find a different style on offense. However, the part that I think can be a formula is these three-point shooters. Now, you can get them open, in different ways. You don't necessarily have to do it the picket way. <laughs> there are other ways to accomplish it, but what makes it so effective is when you have three and even four of those guys on the court at the same time, you can't double anybody because you are letting a three-pointer open. One of them has to be open. Dusty, that's it for quarter number one, but we're going to keep up this hoops conversation next segment. Stay tuned for that. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. He's Dustin Hawkinsmith. I'm Jim Galante, and we're taking a break from football today. We are talking Penn State hoops, and then we're going to get to Penn State wrestling. Let's finish up our basketball conversation, Dusty. After it, it was a successful season for Penn State basketball. The run in the uh, um, Big Ten Conference tournament, they took Purdue to the last second in the tournament. They won a tournament game, first time in forever. They gave Texas all they could handle on Saturday night before falling to them. Of course, we all wanted to win then, but let's face it, it was a successful season. We're all happy about it. Now we got to talk future of Penn State hoops. 
This is where it gets a little bit shady, Dusty. <laughs> you can be very happy with what they accomplished, but uh, Micah Shrewsbury, perhaps taking a page out of James Franklin's book, successful season, he's in demand, and he's going to play at Coy. Both Notre Dame and Georgetown, rumors that they have interest in Micah Shrewsbury, and why not? Yeah. Well, absolutely. And, you know, you think about the, your playbook as a, as a head coach, you know, you, what at your, at the top of your game, at your best time, you know, those are the times to strike when it comes to making business decisions for your family and business decisions that, you know, in James Franklin's case, for example, like obviously working to get himself new money, but also working to get more things that he believes the, the program needs to be successful. So, yeah, I mean, this is just the way things are in, in modern college athletics is when any time you experience success, especially unexpected success, this is what you have to contend with is the, the, the rumors start to swirl because. You know, more so now than ever, uh, and I think coaches know this, you can get better quickly. You can also get worse as a program quickly. If if the head coach leaves and recruiting falls off and you you miss an opportunity to, to get talent in the portal, I mean, you can take a good team, an NCAA tournament team, especially one in Penn State's position, and it can unravel pretty quickly if you lose that centerpiece of it, which is Micah Shrewsbury. So he knows, and he's taken advantage of it. My expectation, and we started to see this as the weekend drew to a close, that um, it's looking like the conversations are, are ongoing about signing him to uh, a new extension. So I think that's where the direction things are going to go. But I also don't doubt that if Penn State is back here next year or two years from now, we might be seeing the same things. I think it's just the way that modern business is being conducted. And Dusty, I'm going to play both sides of this argument, okay? Yeah, Let wow. Let start okay. with this. If you're Shrewsbury, you're right. You took this team to the tournament for, and got a win for the first time in years. You're a hot commodity. Might I also add, you are losing probably your five best players from this team. I did, I did a little arithmetic. I'll bet you were thinking there'd be no math today, <laughs> but there is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Penn State is losing 85% of their points. And yeah. that's with the assumption Seth Lundy is going to move on. They're losing right. 66% of their rebounds. They're losing their top five scorers. They're losing six of the guys in their nine-man rotation. If there was ever a time to pick up and move on, this would be it, Dusty, would it not? Yeah, I mean, but but it's interesting. I mean, I, I, I do think that... Um, you know, that there, there is reason to kind of scratch your head and say like, Oh my gosh, when are they going to get back here again? How are they going to get back here again? Um, I, I get that part of it, but I also think that a lot of the names that we're talking about, uh, were our names that came from someplace else through the transfer portal. I also think there's going to be a lot of names in the transfer portal again. And I do think, you know, there is a way, you know, I, I think what Michael Shrewsbury is trying to do is like, yeah, in a perfect world, he wouldn't have to take five, six transfer guys in one offseason. But this is not a perfect world when he's talking about what he inherited and, and how long it's going to take to build that 
uh, foundation more organically, they're still building that foundation more organically. And until that's built, until the recruiting catches up, until these young guys are ready to play and they get on campus, you're going to have to keep plucking from the portal. And I think, uh, you know, the fact that we're sitting here today saying, boy, how are they going to replace Andrew Funk? Uh, I think that is kind of a good thing, ultimately. And I think the fact that you're having that conversation about Andrew Funk and you're worried about, uh, you know, Jalen Pickett moving on, um, obviously, uh, I think it's going to be an appeal for some of these transfer guys. I think Penn State's going to be a hot transfer destination. I don't have any concerns about their ability to pack up and move on. And the fact that, you know, looking, comparing basketball to football, for example, you know, getting four portal guys and, and leaning on that, um, you know, it's different than if you're if you got a hundred and ten guys on your roster and you're and you're leaning on eight portal guys. Like I think it can for better or worse, it can have a, a greater impact on your basketball team than it can your football team. And I think uh, if Penn State is back in this spot where they got to go out and get a bunch of talent from the portal, I don't think it necessarily is saying that they can't do what next year what they did this year. And the fact that you were able to find that talent from schools like Drexel and Bucknell and Marist, that tells you you had that ability to find talent. And I believe you're correct. It will be a draw to come here. Now, Dusty, let me make a couple comparisons, unfortunate ones. (laughs) The last time Penn State was in a similar position like this, the year was 2001. They actually won two games in the tournament. They went to the Sweet 16 that year under coach Jerry Dunn, whose contract was up. I think they wanted to move on, but they had no choice. You coach a Penn State team to the Sweet 16, you have to extend them. They ended up winning seven games a year for the next two years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, not ideal. Let me just just bottom line that for you. Not (laughs) ideal. No, definitely not ideal, but... Can you assure me that Micah Shrewsbury is not Jerry Dunn? Uh, I mean, I can't really assure you that much. You know, we don't, we, we haven't, we feel like we know what Micah Shrewsbury is, but you know, it's, it's two seasons. You can say, Hey, they, they caught fire at the, at the, at just the right time. You know, they were on the bubble, probably on the outside looking in before the big 10 tournament began. Right. Is that a fair assessment? Yes. So, you know, like you can say that they got hot at the right time, or you can say the coaching staff and, and the development and all these things led to them, you know, really get, get hot at the right time. It, it was, uh, you know, something that you have to give credit to them. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, you can't assure, like you, you can't say for certain that if you sign Michael Shrewsbury to a big deal, he, he's, uh, he's definitely going to deliver for you. I won't say he's definitely going to deliver, but I will assure you, this is not Jerry Dunn. Okay? Yeah. I, th- I think that that's true too. Yeah. Watching the way he has coached this team. Um, his ability on offense to find mismatches, to find the formula for this team. I have a lot of confidence in Micah Shrewsbury. Now the question is, how much confidence do you have in Pat Kraft, Penn State Athletic Director? This is going to be his first real test. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's going to pass this test. I I don't think he has much of a choice in the matter. I mean, I I think, you know, he's going to have to go to bat to the administration and they're going to have to make a commitment to this basketball program that they haven't really made in the past before. But I, I feel like, you know, what we've seen from Pat Kraft 
in his tenure here so far is that he is a competitor. Uh, he, he, he wants to, what athletic director in America doesn't dream of having a top 10 football program. And I don't want to say a top 10 basketball program, but even if you get your basketball team to the point where it's a perennial, it's an annual, uh, NCAA tournament team, what athletic director in the country doesn't want that. And, you know, I think the, the pitch to, you know, the administration to get the funding for that, um, it's pretty simple, really. I mean, you can grow this thing or you can let it die. You can say, you know, all the critics have always been right about Penn State and Penn State basketball, its commitment to basketball. It's always a football school. It's never going to be a basketball school. They have a chance, you know, maybe to flip that narrative on its ear now. And I don't know that they really have much of a choice now that people are excited about it and are watching the situation closely and that they've got a coach that other big time programs want. You know, I don't know if you could have said that even about Pat Chambers. I don't think you could have said that necessarily. So you got to compete. You got to you got to, you, you know, uh, pull up to the table and you've got to make this thing happen now and accept the risk that maybe he's Jerry Dunn or I don't want to steal your thunder, but you made it, you make a comparison, you know, off air to Mel Tucker getting his money from Michigan state and, and running that thing into the ground. You know, they, you have to take the risk that that's possible. That's the point you have to. And I, I don't think Penn state will let this opportunity go by the wayside. If they were paying attention at all, the excitement from the Penn State base, I've never seen this about Penn State basketball like I have in this past week. The casual Penn Stater was in on this, was excited about it, and it was an exciting brand of basketball. So there was, And Penn State has historically paid their coach at the bottom of the Big Ten coaching barrel. I don't think there is any doubt in my mind that, that Patrick Kraft and Penn State is going to make him a legitimate offer, going to make it worth his while to come back, that doesn't necessarily guarantee he will. Maybe he has his heart set on going back to Indiana and coaching Notre Dame, and there's nothing you could pay him to keep him to stay. But I don't think there's any doubt they're going to make the all-out effort, Dusty. I mean, you, you when you... I mean, ultimately, as as a athletic department, don't you want to have a coach that everybody else wants? And so what do you do with that? You know, like you either compete for the, to keep that coach or or you don't. I think they're going to compete to keep him. I think they are going to keep him. And just my kind of final thoughts on the subject of, uh, of Penn State basketball moving forward is that, you know, Penn State has reached this point and they still have a lot of room to raise the level of impact they get from the transfer portal and impact they get on the recruiting front. I think what they did and the brand of basketball they've played uh, helps them recruit better. And I think instead of getting guys from Marist and Bucknell, I mean, what's to say that Michael Shrewsbury can't get a, a top guard from Wake Forest and a top guard from Baylor, you know, what, whatever the case might be. I mean, you, you might be able to get some surefire athletes uh this transfer portal cycle and and you and as you're building you're going to elevate your recruiting too so i i think i i really am seeing blue and white in the future for michael shrewsbury and i think i think it's it will be the best thing for everybody and the one last positive note i will give these last two recruiting classes have been as good as penn state has ever had and those true freshmen jai who is not ready but he's better showing signs yep. start of the season Clary, the point guard, he showed signs, was a much better player at the end of the season. Mahaffey's a contributor. 
They've got a good freshman class coming in. As you said, if they get those transfer portal guys, look out, and I think Shrewsbury can do the job. That's it for basketball. Stick around. We're going to start talking wrestling. Segment three. Stay tuned. Hey, guys. This is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number three. Brought to you by our good friends at 409TailgateClub.com. That is the place to go. For all your barbecue sauces, barbecue rubs, including the new coffee barbecue rubs. Don't forget their Bloody Mary mix. And Dusty, while I'm talking 409 stuff, barbecue stuff, I'm going to give a little early preview of an announcement. We are going to be having a tailgate event for the Blue-White game. And we are going to be featuring some 409 Tailgate Club products there so that's just a little hint as the week goes on we'll tell everyone more and how you Mm. can join us and uh hopefully dusty you're gonna be there right i mean i I, i'm gonna try my best um my time is very in demand jim i i I hate to big league you but uh i love the invitation i want to be there uh and you know, I think if if the fans are clamoring for it, which I expect them to, then maybe it'll just have to make me consider it more. Dusty, there are no points for try. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, you do. Yeah, not try. You do. Anyway, well, it, it, it it has the early makings, and I'm curious to hear more about it as the week goes on. But uh, has all the makings of being a good time. I, I've never been to a KSN four nine tailgate club tailgate situation and not eaten extremely well and had a really good time. So what else can you ask for? That is all you could ask for. All right, Dusty, it's time to talk wrestling. And who better to talk wrestling with than me, except for Jeff (laughs) Byers and probably a whole lot of other people. But Dusty, 
tell you what, this this is still incredible. If you're a Penn State football fan, Penn State sports fan in general like I am, you have absolutely got to be impressed. What is this, 10 national championships out of the last 12 years? Think about it in this terms. Alabama football has got to be jealous of Penn State wrestling. And, and I, I really think if we want to try to come up with some kind of even scale for this, I don't think one exists in modern college football uh, that that really matches what Penn State wrestling is doing and continues to do. And, um, you know, they Kale Sanderson is obviously bringing in really, really good talent. They're obviously developing really, really well. Um, there's all of that that goes into it. You can't have this run of success without the the basics there. But what continues to be impressive is that it happens year after year. But also, you know, in these big moments, you know, you wrestle, you compete a whole season for them. And in these big moments, Penn State, it just shows up and they are at their best again and again and again. And I feel like, you know, Penn State has reached a point where, their wrestling program transcends into the mainstream. It's not a mainstream sport. Uh, it's more of a niche sport. But when you achieve like this, if you are a Penn State fan of anything else, either you become a Penn State wrestling fan or you love dominance so much that you can't help but follow along with what's going on with your, your wrestling program. So this has just been, I, I want to say it's unprecedented, um, you know, especially in modern college athletics, but uh, there's no reason to expect it to slow down. And if we get to a point, let's say in a decade, where Penn State has won 18 out of 22 titles or 20 out of 22 titles, you know, we are going to be talking about this team in much more historical terms and in much more, um, you know, terms of dominance, some of the most dominant college athletics you will have ever seen. I mean, this, we are in the midst of, of this thing, and uh, there's no telling how far it can go. And that's the problem sometimes with greatness. When you're in the middle of it happening, you don't realize it perhaps till after it's done and you're able to look back. What I like is that I believe the Penn State fan base has responded to this. They're not just looking at it, you know, it, oh, it's a nice thing on the side. When you start to see, uh, I, you know I'm not the biggest wrestling guy. But there have been Penn State wrestling matches on that I said, hey, wait, I got to watch. And I'll give the best example. And was it Michigan? They wrestled against the one week. And then the following week, it was Iowa. They weren't just, they weren't wrestling meets, uh, Dustin. They were events yeah. that you wanted to be part of. And to just, I watched them on TV and you could sense the excitement in the arena that, this was it was bigger than the sport it was an event and and that's the really cool thing and and i was struck by you know as as this was going on and you know jeff byers who's the voice of penn state wrestling one of the most uh, phenomenal wrestling announcers you will ever hear in in your life you know, he's going to be joining us in the next segment to really dig into what happened at the NCAA championships and some, some of the ins and the outs of it. But I was struck by the fact that, um, you know, these events, uh, obviously rec hall sells out again and again and again, it's a hard ticket, uh, especially for a good match in there, but they bring this year, they bring two in the Bryce Jordan center and they sell those out. I mean, 
uh, it's it's turning Penn State wrestling. Uh, Kale Sanderson, according to, to Jeff, is trying to make it so they're not a liability on Penn State's overall athletic budget, which is tough in this day and age. But they, they are at that point where everybody wants to come and experience it and try to understand and process and, and take in this dominance firsthand. I mean, they've got a product now that even people who know nothing about wrestling, uh, know nothing about the rules. Can you can come and soak that in and and you know say you were there at the very least? And I think that's what they're doing now is they're getting more and more mainstream the more they win. All right, Dusty. For us novices out here watching this, we just got done talking about basketball and how they lose so much talent. And there's some question of where the Penn State basketball program will be next year. But tell me about this dominance and where this program is headed. They had a couple national champions. They had, what, four or five guys in the uh, championship round. They had the championship locked up before the finals even took place. But where is this team going? What do they have returning? Are they going to be this good again next year? Well, and I think that's one of the low key things that started to emerge and, and and get a little bit more direction at the NCAA championships. Carter Starachi at 174 pounds, he won his third straight title. Aaron Brooks at 184 also won a third straight title. They made it look pretty easy in doing so. And, you know, Penn State has always had these two or three guys who are anchors, who are NCAA title favorites. You know, whether you're talking about uh, David Taylor or you're talking about uh, Bo Nickel, you know, you're talking about guys, Zane Rutherford, Vincenzo Joseph, you know, there it goes on and on. There's always been that continuity of having at least a couple um, NCAA champion contenders uh, in your lineup. And so, you know, I don't know what's to come with, with some of these guys who do have eligibility left. I mean, it's the same conversation we've had in football. You have an opportunity to move on if you want. But I think what we saw is you started to see the next nucleus start to emerge a bit. Um, Levi Haynes, who is a true freshman uh, from my neck of the woods, I got to know Levi pretty well over his high school career. He reaches the NCAA finals at 157 pounds as, as a true freshman, wrestled beyond his years, really gave a lot of hope that he's going to be a multi-time NCAA champion. Uh, Bo Bartlett, who's you know a little older, uh, got third at 141. I mean, he will come back as maybe a, a real uh, contender to, to win his first NCAA title next year. Shane Van Ness at 149 pounds is a red shirt freshman had an unbelievable tournament as well. Uh, he'll be a guy who's on a short list of NCAA uh, champ contenders next year. That young nucleus, in addition to Alex Facundo, who uh, actually went 0-2 at the NCAA Championships, I mean, you see that next group, it's starting to emerge, and some of these veterans will come back, some of these veterans will not, um, but you're you're going to see that, that next group is there, and they continue to recruit at a high level. There's more big-time guys coming in. I mean, there's not a whole lot of reason to believe that they're not going to reload and continue, and that's all in addition to the fact that uh, major improvement is a slam dunk, you know, from one year to the next major improvement is a slam dunk for, for this entire team under Kale Sanderson. So not a lot of hope. If you're a fan of another wrestling program, that the, the door is going to open a crack here. Kale Sanderson, the coach. And by the way, is there any man who has the look of a wrestling coach more than Kale Sanderson? Okay. First, yeah. that's what a wrestling coach is supposed to look like. Is it not? 
Yeah, I mean he he's the prototype now. Square draw, square jaw, little cauliflower in, in the ears, stoic. Uh, does does you know, makes a bigger statement by not saying a word than by by speaking. That that's your guy. That's what you want in a coach, right there. It, it definitely is. But besides the look, how has he built this program like that? What makes this program so special, Dusty? I think he's got a toolbox of um, physical things technique things that 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 get guys better but without question jim the the biggest trick and and i think mental fortitude and and the right mindset is important for every single sport but i think it's especially big for wrestling where everything's a one-on-one situation you can be in your own head you cannot be in your own head and it shows up in what you're able to do especially in these big moments but i think the the ultimate thing the thing that defines penn state wrestling to me is that i think other teams are recruiting as much talent as Penn State is getting. Obviously, they're doing a good job and they know what they're looking for and why they're looking for it. But I think what they do better than anybody else is have them wrestling at their best, feeling good, feeling confident, not worried about losing. I mean, whatever Kale does from one season to the next to get all these guys buying in and believing and being their best selves when it's hard to be your best self, it's easy to lock up. It's easy to be hesitant or it's easy to kind of compete, not to lose as opposed to compete to win. Uh, Jeff Byers and I have talked about this a bunch of times. I mean, that is the thing that's been consistent from one season to the next. You have different guys from different walks of life who have come to be NCAA champions. Some are, uh, were under the radar grinders. Some were great talents that, that they've made even better at Penn state. Uh, but I think just the mental fortitude thing is nobody else is doing it at the level Penn state is doing it. Yes. They're getting better, obviously, but, um, whatever the culture is like there, they're doing so many things, right. It's just, you're, you're not going to see that derailed in any sudden way. Obviously, twice in the last 12 years they've not won NCAA titles so they're not perfect but they're um they're as close as I've ever seen to it Dusty when you don't win a national championship just twice in 12 years you're allowed okay don't do yeah. it again though right right and and it's not like nobody else is getting talent as you pointed out yet they somehow at that highest level still find the way to win and they keep doing it. Different guys, different roster, different team personality. It's all steady and consistent, and it will be again. They're going to have a ridiculous amount of talent next year. So I would expect this time next year, we're talking about 11 NCAA titles and 13 tries. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm not the right guy to talk to about this if you're going to get to the X's and O's of it. But we have the guy who is the right man to talk to. That is Jeff Byers. I'm going to bow out. Dusty, you take over along with Jeff and finishes strong for us. You got it. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. 
You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. All right, welcome back. It's quarter number four of the Keystone Kickoff Show. Dustin Hawkinsmith kicking Jim Galante to the curb. It's one of the best feelings that we've got here on the Keystone <laughs> Kickoff Show. We're welcoming in Jeff Byers. Huge upgrade here as we talk Penn State wrestling and the season wraps. Penn State doing its usual thing here, Jeff. Ten times in the last 12 years has won an NCAA championship. And uh, I was actually just before we started talking, talking to Josh Barr, who's going to be a Penn State freshman next year and kind of made the comment that they're making this thing where they clinch an NCAA title before the finals begin. They're making it look normal, Jeff, when it is decidedly not normal to be able to do that. No, it it isn't. And they're doing a lot of things uh, that now are seemingly the norm here at Penn State that are just unprecedented. Uh, in NCAA wrestling, and it, and it really is remarkable stuff. And and this year's tournament, you know, every year, every season, obviously, is uh, is a little different, and every team's a little different. But this tournament, to me, is going to be one of the more memorable ones, just because of the number of dramatic moments from Carter Storacci's pin in the finals to obviously Shane Van Ness and uh, the dramatic comeback in the opening round. Uh, Bo Bartlett getting that takedown with a second left and the tiebreaker against Cole Matthews. There were just a lot of really neat moments along the way. And I guess there always are, but it just seemed like there were more of those where it was, you know, really special stuff by a particular kid in the clutch. Uh, And, you know, I think the other thing, Dustin, to me that this year did is really set up some of these kids for next year, right? Like a Shane Van Ness now goes into next season uh, not hoping he can be a, a national champion, knowing that he can be a national champion. Bo Bartlett goes into next season knowing that he can be a national champion. And Greg Kirkfleet, same thing. I, I just think, you know, the expectations that these kids have now of themselves and now that they've seen it, they've been through it, uh, they know some of the adjustments they need to make. And, you know, the the trend has certainly been, and we've seen it time and time again, that uh, the kids in the Penn State program make that uh, jump in levels from one season to the next. Well, if those guys do, uh, look out because, again, this uh, dynasty is not slowing down anytime soon. Penn State, two national champs. They sent five to the to the finals. And, you know, I think there's uh, obviously a lot of uh, good moments. that can, Or they sent four to the finals, I guess, right? L- a lot of good stuff comes from from that. 
Um, you had Carter Saracci at 174. I'm so they did send five. I, I missed one writing down with that pin of Mikey Labriola in, in the finals. There is a third national title for him. Aaron Brooks kind of doing his thing. Just nobody makes seven, two wins look easier than Aaron Brooks. So, um, those two guys, what is it coming out of it? Is it, is it all positive feeling? Um, or is there a little bit of like, we could have done more at, as a team as, as crazy as is, as scary as it is, it's not, it's hard to watch RBY not win a national title, 133 pounds, but what's, what's the vibe is that, is everybody celebratory or was there a little bit of that something we missed? Well, it, it's funny because in talking with Kale over the years, I mean, it, I, the coaches, I think after every tournament have felt good. I mean, I, you know, you can't help, uh, but feel good winning a national title, but unless you have everybody uh, achieving their goals, right? You're coming away just a little disappointed, uh, not in them or, but for them. Yeah. The overwhelming feeling, I mean, it was a really positive vibe uh, coming out of the arena last night. But I think that when you look at the individuals, again, Alex Facundo obviously uh, did not do what he was hoping to achieve at, at the tournament, but I think got some good lessons and I think uh, is going to make the the strides that he needs to. And I, I really think he'll be in the mix uh, there next year as a, as a contender, uh, you know, not just for all America honors, but for a, a national title, you know, Roman, I, I never, I did not get a chance to see him after the tournament. So uh, I don't know for sure how he took the loss, but there were two things in play there. One, Vito Arusha wrestled the tournament uh, of all tournaments. That kid was on fire. You talk about somebody that was wrestling loose, letting it fly, wrestling with extreme confidence. And, I mean, he took down and made it look easy. And it wasn't, but he made it look easy, beating beating, uh, Dayton Fix and Roman Bravo Young. And I taught going into the tournament, I thought those two had separated themselves from the field. I mean, you're talking about two elite athletes in this sport, and Arusha handled both of them. Uh, so I think you just had a, a kid that was red hot and wrestling absolutely fantastic. But the other thing that was in play, you know, I know when I talked to Roman before the, the tournament, I was asking him if he thought the emotions might get to him Saturday night afterward. And he said, you know what, maybe, but I, really I'm ready. Uh, meaning I'm ready to move on. Five years uh, of competition is a lot in this sport. And uh, I was talking with somebody else, another writer out there about the six and seven year kids. And I guess there is a study that's being done on the impact of that, both on the kids and the programs. And nobody faults the kids for taking those sixth and seventh years, but you're not seeing a lot of success from those kids. There's exceptions. I mean, I, you know, it's not uh, cut and dried. But by and large, again, this sport just takes its toll mentally, physically. And if you're having to you know, deal with classes and all the things that come with college, there's a reason there's that four or five year cycle. And I just think this, uh, this has kind of messed things up. The intentions may have been good, but I, I don't think the result was good. So I don't, I don't think Roman uh, was crushed by that defeat. I, I think he has a good feeling about his overall success at Penn State. And he said going into the tournament, he said, the main reason I came back was I want to see this team win a national championship. I want to be part of another team title. And he said it a couple of different times that it wasn't about getting another individual title. So I I think he's okay um, 
with the, the result. I don't think it's uh, something he's going to be sulking about because he, he's going to turn right around and get ready here to try to make the world team. The good assessment of his situation. Sometimes you just got to tip your cap and the way that Vito Arujo was, was wrestling. And, and I don't think it, like, I think he was on fire, but I also think that that what we saw from him is absolutely legitimate. I think he, it was a world-class talent before he did all this. And yeah. I, it certainly looks to me like the jump that that ex- extra eight pounds for him looks like it makes, makes a major difference in his game. Yeah. I mentioned to somebody else, I, what, what it reminded me of uh, is uh, the Penn State broadcaster, Kerry McCoy, his freshman year was miserable. And I didn't know if, I really didn't know if he knew how to talk in more than a, a sentence. And then he made the jump up to heavyweight and, Obviously, his wrestling went through the roof, but his personality was, I mean, started to shine through. And it's like, oh, my gosh, this is a really fun, neat kid. And and I think, I mean, I don't know about the personality part with Arusha, but I do think when you're not having to cut weight and, and uh, you know, a significant cut, I mean, I'm sure he's still cutting to get down to 33, but when it's not yeah. your focus, boy, I, and I agree with you. I mean, Arusha is a world-class talent. Uh, I didn't realize just... Uh, where he was right now in his development. But man, I mean, there wasn't a person leaving that building that wasn't impressed with uh, the way he competed all weekend long. He got the Outstanding Wrestler Award. I just felt like they should have come up with some other award too because that just didn't quite feel like enough when he did what he did, you know, against two guys who had wrestled in back-to-back national finals against each other. Um, Levi Haynes, one of the big stories of the tournament, I think, and we talked beforehand about whether he could meet or exceed his seed. Well, he, he met it as the number two seed and I felt like, uh, Austin O'Connor, that all that experience that O'Connor has, he was able to control a lot of ties, and he did something that not a lot of guys could di- can do, which is kind of make Levi reach for opportunities a little bit. And when he reached for opportunities, Austin O'Connor punished him for it. And he really made him work on bottom, and we've not seen anybody do that uh, with Levi Haynes. That, Haynes has been exceptionally good at getting off bottom, which is uh, – you know, often a, a sticking area for freshmen and even redshirt freshmen against uh, top guys. And we've just not seen it until Austin O'Connor. I, I was impressed even going into the tournament and went to the pre-match, uh, pre-tournament press conference. And Austin O'Connor just had that air of confidence and, you know, I know what I'm doing. I'm loving what I'm doing uh, and yeah, I, I mean, it was a, a fantastic run by Levi Haynes. And yeah, as, as you said earlier, right, sometimes you just tip your cap. Austin O'Connor, uh, right now is the best wrestler in the country at 157. I think Levi is a really solid number two. Uh, and this was Austin's last go around. So, you know, I think next year, look out because Levi Haynes is, is one of those guys that is going to jump levels because he just, works his tail off and he loves the sport. And I think it's uh, going to be really exciting. It was very exciting this year to see him uh, compete, but I think next year uh, you're really going to see something very special with his game. And I think uh, we also saw just as a whole, you're watching this young nucleus come together. And I think there's never been a more optimistic time when you look at Levi Haynes and Shane Van Ness and even Alex Facundo, who I think is a cautionary tale for how hard it is when you lose your first match of actually getting back because you're wrestling Julian Ramirez for an elimination match is kind of a cruel thing for, for a young kid. Uh, you also had Carter and Aaron win at 174 and 184. Bo Bartlett, you know, that was a breakthrough that we talked about him needing at 141. Uh, Max Dean, seventh at 197. I think he left there with a lot of respect from people about how he carried himself, what he had to say afterwards. I wanted to end on this note though. Shane Van Ness, third at one at 149 pounds. 
Boy, did he have a great tournament. Boy, did he show some chops twice coming back from from early deficits. Levi Haynes did the same thing. Uh, I thought he was really right in there with Yanni Diakamahalas and that veteran. You know, you don't often see Yanni in a position where he's cornered and has to go and get after it late in matches. You know, Shane Van Ness put him in that position and he made the veteran move. He made the four-time NCAA champ move, but... I think Shane Van Ness came out of there with a lot of respect from everybody who watched. And I know he got a lot of respect out of Yanni Diakamahalas for, for the way he wrestled. He looks like a true blue, maybe multi-time NCAA title contender. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt. And it's funny because we've been talking all season kind of in the room about, man, if you can just get that breakthrough victory against like a top five or you know at least a top eight guy, that he just needs that one win and then he'll get it rolling. And really it was the win against Smith that I think started it, but then beating Pinero Johnson, and you could just see after those first two rounds, I mean, he truly believed he was going to go win the national title. And, and again, it's one thing to want it. It's another thing to believe that you're going to get it. And yeah, he took it to Yanni Diakamahalas. I mean, he, he was, uh, you know, the aggressor throughout the better part of that bout. As you said, Diakamahalas is really good uh, and a, a veteran and, and came up with the points when he needed them and, and did a good job of uh, you know understanding the situation. But yeah, I think Van Ness now uh, truly believes that uh, you know he's a guy that, that can and should win the national title next year. And uh, again, that's a big part of this. And that's what, you know, I think that's probably their biggest task as a coaching staff is getting Alex Facundo to buy into that uh, same belief because Alex Facundo is on that same trajectory. He just didn't have the success in the tournament. And again, sometimes that's, uh, you know, now you got to create that uh, confidence uh, from inside. But it was just a terrific tournament all around for this program, no doubt. Big tournament for Penn State. Big uh, big episode here for, for Jeff Byers jumping on the Keystone Kickoff Show. That's it for the show. Thanks for tuning in to this edition, and we'll see you next time here on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hockensmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.